Praise God. If we could turn in our Bibles to Psalm 14, verse 139. Psalm written by David, he said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Looking at and reflecting upon God's marvelous works and his creation, it must surely overflow into praise. When we recognize the hand of God, the wonder and intricacies of creation of man, it surely brings forth awe, amazement, adoration, and thanksgiving. When we think how man is put together and how man functions, it's absolutely amazing. We, we can give God thanks and we can recognize the wonderful hand of God in that creation. A commentary of the words, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, says that the wonderfulness of the human mechanism is so great that if realized, it produces a sensation of fear. It has been said that if we could see one half of what is going on within us, we would not dare to move. If we could see just one half, even a fraction of what's going on in us. Extracts from a study reads, Chemically, the body is unequaled for complexity. Each one of its 30 trillion cells is a mini-chemical factory, which performs about 10,000 chemical functions. And every cell has one trillion bits of data, which would be equal to every letter in 10 million books. Each cell also replaces itself every seven years, and each one is independent, yet it cooperates with millions of other cells in the body. The body's billions of parts all work together as a team. Its 206 bones provide the framework, and its 639 muscles enable it to move with incredible split-second timing. Its skill to balance is such that we can perform feats of acrobats and yet have strength that official human weightlifting feats abound. Every demonst even demonstrations of incredible strength by normal people under adversity are common in medical records. Maxwell Rogers once lifted the end of a 3,600-pound or a 1,630-kilogram card. The jack which had been holding the car up fell, and the car collapsed onto his son. So he raised that car all by himself. It's amazing what the strength of the human can produce. Amen. The human brain and nervous system is the most complex arrangement of matter anywhere in the universe. <clears throat> the entire body system functions as a unified whole to enable a human to run, to sing, to remember, to create, and to achieve the myriads of other phenomenal tasks we usually just take for granted. People go about their daily lives 
and they enjoy everything that they see. They enjoy the flowers. They enjoy the trees. They enjoy the fruit. They enjoy the food. They enjoy the breath that they take and not realizing that that has come from God. That God is responsible for all of that and he's put it all in place. We, need, we know that we can appreciate God and recognize the hand of God in our lives and the hand of God in the world today. The word of God tells us that the church into which we are born is the body of Christ. There are many members in the body, each with individual and different functions. Like the human body, the church will function in harmony as each member works in that individual function. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. Even though it goes beyond our comprehension, we know that his works are marvelous. We do need to take time to reflect on the marvelous works of God and on how wonderful he is, what he means to us, and realize our dependency upon him. He is love. He is the Prince of Peace. He is our provider. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last. He is our very present help in time of trouble. He is our Savior and Redeemer and the author and the finisher of our faith. He is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. The Old Testament tells us that once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the blood of the animal sacrifice was taken by the high priest into the Holy of Holies and placed upon the mercy seat where God's judgment took place. If the sacrifice was accepted by God, the sins of the children of Israel were rolled forward for a year until the next day of atonement. Since Jesus Christ died for our sins, we no longer need to present animal sacrifices to God, but we, uh, once a year to God, but we still need his mercy. We will always need his mercy. And if we need to, we can go daily and fall upon his mercy, repent and receive his forgiveness. Amen. One of my very, very favorite scriptures is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, which says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Something about sin that makes us dirty. Amen. Something about sin is something that God uh, <coughs> can't uh, look unto. He has to have it cleansed from us. Amen. And that, that cleansing takes place from the sin if there is any sin or wrongdoing in our lives, as long as we ask God to forgive us, as long as we repent on that, if we don't repent of it and ask God to forgive us, that sin of, stain of sin will remain with us. So the mercy of God endureth forever. Every single day we can go to God. We can go to him any time of the day, confess our sin and ask him to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. God cares about us. God has a will for us lives. God has a destiny for each and every one of us. And if we do it God's way, we will be happy and we will be right with the Lord. <clears throat> we have salvation from God's wrath as stated in Romans 5, 8 and 9, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and we are justified by his blood and we shall be saved from wrath through him. To be justified means to be cleared, declared Legally, legally right. No sin, no wrongdoing, 
completely in the clear. And because of, of Jesus, we are justified. We can be justified. <clears throat> Christ rose from the dead and sat at the right hand of God in his role as high priest and advocate, thus enabling us to go directly ourselves to God. For us, it is all about God. But God has a great continuing care and love for us. He thinks about us. He takes great pleasure in us. He will beautify the meek with salvation. The hairs of our head are numbered. We are of more value than sparrows. <clears throat> he has steadfast love and unceasing mercy. He is faithful he, and his word is truth. <clears throat> to me, this all sounds like a language of love. And I know all these facts are true because the Bible told me so. I get all of this information, all these facts, all these wonderful things and more from the Bible. The Bible told me so. We can stand on the word of the Lord. We can stand on God's word. It is truth and it is powerful. <coughs> Praise his name. The Holy Bible is the written word and Jesus is the living word. Because the word became, uh, sorry, I'll start that sentence again. The Holy Bible is the written word and Jesus is the living word because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God is not merely a book. It is alive. It says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Forever means that God isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's there from the beginning. He's going to be there all the time. The word of God is the seed that brings new life. There is inherent divine power in the word of God, which brings about spiritual birth in the hearts of those who receive it by faith. Salvation for all begins with the word of God. Finding our way to God is ultimately by his word. The gospel of Christ is is the power of God unto salvation. Preachers, teachers, and evangelists who lead souls to salvation obtain all their teaching and preaching material from the Bible. Anyone looking for salvation will be told, let's see what the Bible says. Let's read what the Bible says. The definition of salvation is deliverance from sin and its consequences brought about by faith in Christ. Because of modern technology, the Bible is easily obtained and is more accessible than it's ever been before. There was one time when we felt threatened by modern technology with the onset of computers and such like. But for God, for, for, the, for obtaining the Bible and the Word of God and teachings, there's any manner of of methods that we can obtain that through uh, the technology. It's amazing, and, and Bibles are accessible all over the world through technology. Our ultimate goal is to get to heaven, and the Bible provides the specific instructions on how to get there. But we won't arrive there without a day-by-day -day journey. Right at the beginning of our journey, in discovering God, we would go to Genesis, and in the third verse of chapter 1, we read that he spoke, let there be light, and there was light. We learn several things from this scripture. God is powerful. His word is powerful. He is sovereign and has authority over everything. 
The first three chapters of Genesis are packed with information. And we learn that God knows what is best for us, that he has created us. He requires obedience. He cannot tolerate sin. He casts man out from his presence because sin causes man to be separated from him. He cannot accept man's methods to cover sin. And he provides a, a pr promises, sorry, and he promises a way for man to be cleansed, forgiven, and restored to a right relationship with him. That's all in the first two chapters of Genesis. All of that information. God is our creator, and he has, he's our redeemer, and he's our healer and deliverer. God had an established relationship with Adam and Eve, and he communicated with them daily by speaking to them. Adam and Eve had the awesome, awesome experience of hearing the voice of, the voice of God. In Genesis chapter 3 and 8, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the Lord God amongst the trees. And verse 9 says, And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? They had fallen into sin, and they hid themselves away from the Lord. They didn't want to face God after they had fallen into sin. But God knew exactly everything that had taken place. He still continued with them. He still spoke to them. He still wanted to have that relationship. God speaks to us through his written word, and we can spend time daily with him by reading his word. As we know, Adam and Eve fell into sin, and we all suffer the consequences of their disobedience. But we read in the Bible that we can hide the word of God in our hearts to help us not to sin against him. If we were to receive all doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness verbally, it would be too hard for us to contain, to understand, to remember, and to follow. So thankfully, we are given the written word. We can read the word again and again, meditate, learn, ponder, and be spiritually fed. There is always more to discover in the Word of God. I relate an interesting conversation between a pastor of a Presbyterian church who is also a Bible teacher named John Mitchell and Dr. Campbell Morgan, an older seasoned preacher. John Mitchell heard Dr. Morgan preach. And he was impressed at how well Dr. Morgan knew his text. He asked Dr. Morgan how he understood the scriptures so well. Dr. Morgan said, if I told you, you wouldn't do it. The younger man insisted, just try me, he said, just try me. Dr. Morgan explained, before I study a book, I read it 50 times. That is an extreme but that's what he did, that he could understand and get into the word of the Lord. There's always something in the word that we already have deeper and deeper and deeper. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The Bible reads as a factual account of real events, places, people, and dialogue. Historians and archaeologists have repeatedly confirmed its authenticity. There's no obligation upon the reader to agree, to like, 
to follow or even believe the Bible, but indisputably, it is God's infallible word. In spite of the fact that the Bible was written over a span of 1,500 years by 40 writers, there are no errors or contradictions. Although there are 40 writers, there is only one author, and that author is God. Those 40 writers were all inspired by God. There's one central message consistently carried by all 40 writers of the Bible, and that is God, who created us all, desires a relationship with us, and he calls us to know him and to trust him. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And what's one such inspired man was Isaiah who wrote in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to blind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. The wonderful, wonderful scripture. And this was a prophetic writing foretelling Jesus. Then more than 700 years later, Jesus comes along in fulfillment of this scripture. He comes to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The writings of Isaiah were given to him to read, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He related the entire scripture, and at the end, <clears throat> at the end he closed the book, and he gave the book to the minister and sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. That scripture that was prophesied and written by Isaiah, Isaiah had no idea who Jesus was. I don't think Isaiah had any way of knowledge that Jesus, that Jesus was going to be the Redeemer and how he was going to come forth, except he prophesied according to the way God had inspired him. And 700 years later, Jesus comes and he fulfills that prophecy. Those people that were listening, I don't know what they said. They don't show much of a reaction. But he said, this day, the scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. If you read the Bible, you can enjoy these wonderful scriptures. You can enjoy reading the fulfillment of prophecy. You can enjoy tying it all together <clears throat> as has happened in, uh, from Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 2, and Luke 4 and 18. This fulfillment is the first mention of the promised redeemer that God gave in Genesis chapter 3 and 15, by the seed of the woman. The writing of the words of God began with Moses. The commandments were written on stone with the finger of God. They were not to be lost or destroyed. And God gave instructions to Moses for the Ark of the Covenant to be built, wherein the tablets of stone would be kept in the Holy of Holies. God required an absolute holy place to protect and keep the commandments. 
The ark was a rectangular wooden chest made of acacia wood and overlaid with pure gold inside and out. It had a gold molding or crown upon, around the top. The lid of the, of the um, Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant was a picture of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The acacia wood speaks of the humanity of Jesus. The crown of gold around the top of the Ark speaks of the Lord of Jesus, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The unbroken tables of stone speak of Jesus as the one who perfectly kept the law and never broke God's commandments. The ark was carried by the Levite shoulder high and went before the people who followed. We follow Jesus. A study of the tabernacle definitely will absolutely strengthen your faith in the Bible. It's an amazing um, study. Moses wrote the law, and the tribe of Levi were charged to protect the scriptures. The Levites were teachers of the law. Moses is the writer of the first five books of the Old Testament, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Originally, the Old Testament was first copied onto leather scrolls. Later, papyrus leaves were discovered and were found more suitable for writing upon. They were soaked in water and then pressed into sheets to form a book the sheets were sewn together and placed between two pieces of wood, which served as covers. This type of book is called a codex. The oldest surviving manuscript of any part of the New Testament is a papyrus fragment containing part of John 18. Scholars estimate that it was written about 125 AD. Around 320 AD, the codex book form was replaced. Sorry, the codex book form replaced the, the roll or the scroll, and parchment made from the skin of a sheep or goat replaced the papyrus. Around this time, the Roman Emperor Constantine became a Christian, and he authorized the production of many copies of the Scripture. The integrity of the Scriptures was maintained at all times. Particular methods were used to ensure that there were no errors in copying and translation. Eventually, the printing press, invented by Johann Gutenberg, began printing Bibles for mass production. It is the most published book of all time. The Word of God will be maintained and passed on from generation to generation. And the generation, if they ignore it, it doesn't mean that the Bible is going to go away. There's nothing old-fashioned about their Bible. It's for, for today just as much as it was right at the very beginning. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. The Word of God is eternal. God has not revised, rewritten, paraphrased, or changed His Word in any way. Man have no right to alter or change God's Word. God is the author of the Bible, not man. <coughs> and the author will guide us if we will allow him. People try to escape reading the Bible because the Bible shows up thoughts and deeds which are to be reproved and sometimes can be hard to face up to. But Bible reading should be a regular practice. In Hebrews chapter 4 and 12, if you'd like to turn there with me, Hebrews chapter 4 and 12. 
For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. At the beginning, we did a, a quite a long study on the intricacies of, of humanity, how we were created and how we were made and put together. And our bodies are on the outside. And then on the inside, which we cannot see, we have a soul and a spirit. I don't know how it actually works all together, but the Bible says that they're there, the soul and the spirit. The soul and the spirit are obviously very close in proximity to each other. In fact, they're probably touching each other. But it takes the word of God to divide the soul and the spirit. From time to time, we would experience some problems within our soul or our spirit. And we would need a diagnosis and a remedy. Sometimes people take these needs to a human doctor who cannot provide any solutions. Despite all the modern diagnostic machinery such as x-rays, ultrasound, MRI, CT scans, which all penetrate deep into the body, nothing can get to the soul and the spirit, only the word of God. And that nothing can provide an examination of the soul and the spirit except God. We are probably not aware that we have a need of God sometimes, but God knows the needs. Even if it is a minuscule need and, is more, and he is more than able and willing to deal with and correct all of these needs, God wants to get into our hearts. God wants to get into our lives and help us so that we can follow him and go, go to where he is going to be with us in heaven forevermore. And the, and the word of God is going to penetrate into our lives and, and bring these things out that God can heal us and correct us. We can walk around with not realizing that we have a need deep down inside. But God's the word of God is going to penetrate and start drawing these things out that God can deal with them and correct them, make a diagnosis and give a remedy to those needs. Um, the Bible says that even the thoughts and intentions of our hearts may need attention. God gets it right any time. There's no misdiagnosis, no hits or misses. He gets it right every time. The word of God is his instrument in cleansing and renewal. I don't know how you feel tonight, but I want to be right with God. I want, to be, I want him to be pleased with me. And I know that there's a struggle because I'm, I have this humanity that keeps pulling me away, keeps pulling me away. But I want to be right with God. And even though it can hurt and even though it can be very hard, I want God to penetrate. I want his word to go deep down into my life. I want him to see. I want him to show me what needs to be changed. I want to go to him and ask him to give me the strength and the ability to change those things. I don't want to be unpleasing to the Lord. I want to get to heaven. I want to follow God all the way to heaven. I want to find my way there. And I know that if there's anything wrong in my life, I'm not going to be able to get there. The Bible is going to teach me how to get to heaven. The Bible is going to teach me the thoughts that I should have, the conversations that I should have, what I should wear. The Bible is going to teach me how I should be honest, how I should be not dishonest.
honest. He's going to teach me. The Bible's going to teach me all of those things. And I want to know them. And I want to be pleasing unto the Lord. And I want to go to heaven. Amen. Could I have the piano, uh, piano please? The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our bodies are destructible and will not get into heaven, but our spirit will return to God who gave it to us. Natural food will not help us in our spirit. God's word is a lamp and a light to guide our footsteps here on earth all the way to heaven. We can never give more attention to the word of God than God has given himself. He has gone to great lengths to make sure that his word gets to us. To finish our journey on this earth and to get to heaven, let us follow Jesus who says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Hallelujah. If we follow Jesus, all that he was on this earth, all that he showed, all that he taught, all that he demonstrated, we will get from here to eternity Amen. Could we have a song, please? Hallelujah.